What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as usual by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JYarko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Very excited to bring on our next guest. We've been on his show a few times. We were supposed to have him last week and then everything for David and and our uh, our guest all fell apart and that's when you all had to suffer with me all by myself but from Buck what you heard you know him you love him Gene Thomas how you doing my man man I am glad to be on finally I get to uh get in here and we get to talk some some Bucks football I am excited well, we are we are thrilled to have you on. And for those that don't know, Gene hosts a uh, a YouTube show every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern called Buck What You Heard. You can follow him on Twitter at Buck What You Heard. And we are excited to get some of his takes today. Um, Gene, you know, David and I aired out all of our all of our Mike Smith grievances, complaints, ideas, thoughts, yeah, all of it. We aired that all out on, on Tuesday's episode, but we want to hear your perspective because it is the hot button topic. Um, you know, David is, is of the, the mindset that he's not going to call for anyone's job, but the caveat to that is, you know, he has said that Mike Smith, as we know him, has to be gone. So Mike Smith either has to adjust or basically, you know, the, the ship's going to go down. I'm of the mindset that you have to get rid of him. Dirk Cutter has to show the, the players in his locker room that are trusting him, his coaching staff that is trusting him, a front office and ownership that are trusting him to lead this team to a winning record and a postseason berth. He has to show them that he's willing to try anything to not waste this season when he knows that what is going on with the defense isn't working. So that's that's where I stand. That's where David stands. Gene, what are your thoughts on on the defense and Mike Smith as defensive coordinator and kind of every every boiling point that we've reached after watching Mitchell Trubisky look like Tom Brady? Man, uh, let me let me start from the beginning. Uh, I, I've if you followed Buck, what you heard, you know that I've been very friendly as far as Mike Smith goes, as far as Dirk Cutter goes, as far as Jason Light goes. Uh, basically, with the talent, with getting things worked out. But you reach a point, and if you look at our podcast early, we said coaching is huge. Coaching is going to be huge this year in in whether or not this team is successful. And they've fallen well short. And it's like deja vu. If you think about it, the Bucks were were two and one last year, and then the wheels fell off. And here we are, two and one, going into Chicago, and what happens? You're looking at a team that looked lost out there. Uh, there was a limited, there was there was no communication. I'm gonna say limited. I'm gonna be real. There was no communication there. Uh the the play calling was predictable. When when you hear uh, uh, the opposing team use the word predictable, you should be upset about that. You should just be totally mad about it. And it's one of those things where you haven't seen Mike Smith make any adjustments. They've just kind of rolled with what they've got. Hey, we're going to roll with what we got. It's cool. But but this is the problem that that um, that I've had. I've I've taken each season by season as we've been going, you know, and I was okay. We need to get this guy here. We need to get this guy here. Or maybe they need to do some adjustments or, you know, this player wasn't playing like he was supposed to miss assignments. Uh, when you go back through history, 
and you look at the different defensive coordinators, Buddy Ryan, you look at um, uh, you look at some of the other uh, defensive coordinators and even coaches uh, throughout history, Bill Parcells. Uh, I could go to the, the list goes on. Monty Kiffin, the list just goes on and on. Those guys were identified by the defense and how they played. Okay. And I've heard people make excuses for the defense. They're not having, they're having communications issues. Uh, this guy isn't playing where he's supposed to. This guy isn't doing that falls back on the coach. And to prove this point, all you have to do is look at Jeff Fisher and how Jeff Fisher held back the, the Rams from, from being successful. They bring in another coach and it's a totally different team. I do believe that this team has the talent to be good. And I just don't know. I cannot put my finger on it for the life of me. Why this is happening. You had Lovey Smith in here calling the plays on defense. Same thing. You bring Mike Smith in. He's calling the, the defensive plays. Same thing. Uh, it's just been consistent across the board uh, since the new, new regime has been in. And I would be willing to debate this with anybody. Uh, I, I'm sorry. Uh, Mike Smith has done what he's done and he needs to go. He's not willing to make changes. If you look at a, if you look at a, an, a team, any other team, uh, they have a player that's not producing like he's supposed to. What do they do? They get rid of the player. Now you have uh, you have Dirk Cutter, and he's saying that he's going to keep Mike Smith. You know what? What does that say? That's kind of a double standard, you know, as far as I'm concerned. But um, you know, that's kind of where I'm at with all this. I think Mike Smith has run his course. Uh, I just don't see them making adjustments. I don't see them being creative enough to really turn this team around. Uh, I, I would be glad to be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But just from where we are right now, this team is 500 and they're going into a bye week. Then you have the Atlanta Falcons who, you know, what they do. And, uh, you know, uh, again, they, they have an opportunity to turn this around, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I, I, I think you make some great points. And, <clears throat> and as you were talking, I started thinking back. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that you said was when something's not working, they, they look to blame the player. And you start going down the laundry list, whether it was it it's been under Cutter or Lovey or Raheem or back to to the second half of of Gruden's era. You you go through the list of players that moved on to different teams and have had success. You look at guys like Michael Bennett, Darrell Rivas, DJ Swearinger, yeah, uh, Keith Tandy, Bradley McDougald right now in, in Seattle. Oh my, he's balling out of his mind. Yeah, how how helpful would he be right now? You know, you Akib Talib, Legarrette Blunt. You you start going through this laundry list of players that not only have had success in other spots, but have rings to show for it at this point. You know, Akib yeah. Talib is is one of the best corners in football. Granted, you know, he he just got hurt, but he was one of the best corners in in football for the Patriots, and then. He of the best corners in football for the Broncos. Then he was one of the best corners in football now for the Rams. And I understand that Tlaib's kind of a a different animal when when you look at him leaving. I think Akib Tlaib does not reach this level if he doesn't get out of the situation he was in in Tampa as far as personally. I think removing himself. Yeah, Mark Barron. There's another one. I think Tlaib removing himself um, as a as a person 
from the the area and the group that he was with helped mature him and made him the player that he was. But yeah, Mark Barron, Michael Bennett, you know, all these guys that, that go on and they have success elsewhere and you just shake your head. And as you said, they keep saying, well, you know, the player's not doing this, the player's not doing this, the player's not doing this. Why aren't you putting them in a situation to succeed? I was yeah. talking to my boss today. He's a big Colts fan. And he he asked me, he goes, the Colts had 25 sacks as a team last year. He goes, do you know how many they have right now through four games? I was like, I, I have no idea. And he goes, they have 17. And it's They've all adjusted. the same. Yeah, they're, it's all the same players. Yeah. You know, and guys, guys, let me let me throw let me throw this in here. I just and and this is just going back to to 2015. And tell me if this sounds familiar. The Titans hang 42 on the Bucks. The Panthers hang 37 on the Bucks. The Redskins hang 31 on the Bucks. The Giants hang 32 on the Bucks. And uh, again, the Panthers hang 38 on the Bucks. This is and, and I'm telling you what, you go to 2016 and you see a lot of the same thing. 2017, you see a lot of the same thing. I can promise you, this is not the last blowout you're going to see this season if you're looking at the trends that we've seen in the past moving forward. This is not acceptable. No, and, and you know, Gene, you talk about the past, and, and I said this uh, on Twitter the other day, and I, and I stand by it. If, if this team loses to the Browns, and I understand that the Browns this year are not the Browns of, of old. I mean, they're 1-2-1, one, and one, but it was on Good Morning Football this morning. You know, I think Nate Burleson was the one who said it. The Browns should be 4-0, and oh, and, and whoever said it on uh, GMFB was 100% right. The Browns should be 4-0, oh, but they're mm-hmm. still the Browns. So if if this team loses, especially after the way they started, to the Cleveland Browns uh, here in, what, two or three weeks? I mean, yeah, th- this fan base is going to is gonna fall through the basement uh, <laughs> uh, if, that, Man, if that happens. And, and just think know. about this. You know, the Bucks have not had success with 3-4 defense. And I'm trying to remember the last time they were successful with a team that had a 3-4 defense on a, yeah. on a consistent basis. It just doesn't happen. Uh, again, just kind of going back to Mike Smith, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to beat a dead horse. We'll, we'll kind of move on from this. But when you had uh, when you had Julio Jones, what did he go for? 245, 250, something like that. They didn't make adjustments. This guy ran the same route. He ran the same exact route. And it's like deja vu. I'm I'm watching this game. Mitch Trubisky uh, wheel routes. What three three wheel routes uh, and with scores. Uh, I talked with uh, one of a former scout and he said he saw four uh, when they included a tight end in there. And no adjustments were made. No, no way to improve this so that they they go away from this and go to something else. That that's that right there in itself is unacceptable. You cannot have this. Yeah, and I think uh, I think Kurt Warner himself actually tweeted. Uh, if 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 I remember correctly, I want to say I saw Kurt Warner tweet something very similar. And that's the thing. Like everybody, you know, can talk about us talking about this stuff. I think we're all pretty much on the same page. I've, I've yet to see anybody who's really not on the same page as, as the rest of us. But, you know, even anybody out there who wants to talk about, you know, as far as our status is, is, and all that stuff and what do we really know and all that, uh, Kurt Warner knows what he's talking about. So if Kurt yeah, Warner's I, on the same tip, then uh, then I think there's some credence to what everybody is saying. I have the, the tweet pulled up right here. He just says, come on, Buccaneers D, how many times in one game can you get hit with a wheel route? That's a once-a-game changeup usually – and I've counted four already, three for touchdowns, and in the middle of the third quarter. 
that speaks volumes. You're talking about a Hall of Fame quarterback that's sitting there saying, look, this is this is you you get hit with it once. You don't get beat with it again. You change it and it, you fix it. And instead, they just keep they keep letting it go. But yeah, that that Falcons game is going to be we were actually talking about it in the Bucks Nation group chat. Um uh, that's going to be the shootout of all shootouts. Like it has to be. Both of these defenses are just awful. And and it's not that the Falcons scheme or the defense itself is awful. It's the fact that they've lost so many high caliber pro yeah. bowl pro bowl caliber players. Um I mean, good lord, the over under on that thing's gonna be like 65 and a half. <laughs> And they, if it they, is. Could, they could potentially break a record if if the offense shows up. They could potentially break a record for uh, just offensive output. Oh, absolutely! So whatever whatever the over under is, everybody needs to go check out our friends at my bookie and hammer the over because who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why we always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. David and I would only recommend a service to our listeners that have been good to us, and that's why we are telling everybody to make their way to my bookie. You win. They pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. Right now, my bookie is slammed with new bettors, and they want to give everyone the best possible customer service. So if you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern, they're going to give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. And that's in addition to giving you a dollar-for-dollar dollar bonus. All you have to do is use promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON25, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, number two, number five, when creating your account to claim your $25 free play on deposits over $100 and to activate your dollar-for-dollar dollar bonus. You play... You win, you get paid. David, I understand that we have a voicemail from a wonderful Buccaneers fan in Baston uh, who has a uh, has a question for us to kind of get us away from this Mike Smith stuff that's starting to make my blood boil again. So uh, what, do, what do we have? Yeah, we got uh, Tyler from Boston, so here we go. What's up, boys? It's Tyler from Boston. Uh, didn't really get to catch the, the Bears-Bucks game probably for the best, but I did hear the Via Vea got his first NFL action, and I wanted to hear from you guys, uh, what do you think of him? How do you do? And uh, what do you think that he can bring to this defense that's uh, struggling a little bit? Thanks, guys. All right. Well, we appreciate you calling in, and of course, now you are entered in to win that beautiful autographed Quan Alexander jersey at the conclusion of the Buccaneers season. I'll go ahead and kick it off real fast. I have not gone back and rewatched the game yet with all 22 or anything like that. My initial reaction, my initial impression of Vita Vea is for a guy that has not set foot on a football field basically since July, I thought he looked pretty good. His, his first two snaps in the game, he was eating up two blockers, and the defense had positive plays on those two snaps. So I'm, you know, it's it's going to be a process with him. He's he's a rotational guy right now. That's who he is 
For right now, he's a rotational guy. Do I think he has the talent and the ability to become a full-time starter? Yes, absolutely, I do. But for right now, for a guy as big as Vita Vea, coming off of a calf injury, he is absolutely positively no more than a rotational guy at this moment in time. Um, but I was much like Ronald Jones. Yeah, there's a lot left to be desired from what we saw in week four. There's a lot to be desired from the entire team. But what I saw seemed relatively encouraging. Um, Gene, what was what was your takeaway from the debut of one Vita Vea? I was pretty happy with what I saw. Uh, again, if I'm if I'm a head coach and this is a guy coming off a calf injury, and I, I believe it was more serious than than what was originally talked about. I think so. Too. He's one of those guys. I've got him on a pitch count. I'm only going to use him, you know, so many plays. Just especially considering we're going into a bye week, uh, I realize the game is is where it is. There would be situational plays where I would have him in just to see how he does or how he reacts. But for the most part, I would have him on a pitch count and have him uh, ready for uh, the back end of the season where he's really going to be needed if this team is going to make any kind of run. But uh, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy with what he's done. I, I was excited to get to see him out there. There was a play that's going around on Twitter where he ragdolled, uh, uh, I guess it was a lineman or maybe a linebacker, but he pretty much ragdolled this guy, uh, you know, just showing his strength. And that right there is a glimpse of what he could potentially be. So I'm looking forward to him. David, I know you were doing some some deep Vita Vea film diving today because um, you got mad at me when I didn't respond quickly enough to, to your question on, <laughs> on messenger. Um, what is your take? And I know you're not the biggest Vita Vea guy, yeah. but from what you saw, I mean, is, is he starting to look a little more encouraging to you? What was your takeaway from Vea's debut? So I think it was on your draft show, your post draft show, Gene, that I actually kind of went in on Vita Vea a little bit. Mm-hmm. Listen, I, I, I and I know uh, that that guys who are a lot smarter than me obviously disagree. I don't. I didn't think Vita Vea was really a first round talent to begin with. Um, nothing, nothing against him. I just don't think he's dynamic enough to make a big enough impact at the NFL level to warrant a first round draft pick. If, if uh, unless you're drafting towards the like the tail end and you're basically just looking to reinforce a roster that's already been successful. You know, like if the Eagles were to have drafted him at the end of the first round or something like that, that would have made more sense than a team like the Buccaneers who was literally trying to rebuild their defense. That being said, I don't dislike Vea as a player. It kind of reminds me a lot of Vernon Hargraves. Like I didn't dislike Hargraves as a player coming on the team. I disliked where he was drafted. And, and that's the same that's the same way I am with Vea. What I saw with, with Vita Vea in college was that he was a guy who's obviously big. He's obviously strong. But he doesn't always get to the point fast enough. And I'm just as impressed as him body slamming a Bears offensive lineman. But if you go back and look at that play, it doesn't do anything. Like at the right. end of the day, it's, it's, it's impressive that he did it. But that run went for 19 yards. And, and the reason that run went for 19 yards isn't because of Vita Vea. Like Vea didn't mess that play up. Quan Alexander messed that play up. But Vita didn't help the play any. And, and I say that. In, in an impactful way, right? So Vita helped the play by being in the lane. Like like Cohen was going to try to turn into that gap. Vio Arveo was there with his with his blocker, 
And that's when Cohen stopped the first time. Alexander stepped into the hole. That's when Cohen kicked outside and got 19 yards, right? So Vea right. did his job by plugging that hole, and that's fantastic. After the, the hole was plugged, after Cohen stutter stepped, after Cohen was committed to running around the edges when Vea slammed the guy down, zero impact on the play. And that's kind of what I saw in Washington. Now, don't get me wrong. He's got the ability because I also saw when he was in Washington on like a third and 15 or a red zone passing play where Vea, I mean, you'd almost want to compare him and time him to Gerald McCoy with his fastest get off. He got off the ball. It just doesn't happen all the time. And sometimes it happens too late. And that Bears play that's kind of going around as impressive as it is, the physical strength and all that, give him credit for that. It happened too late in the down to really have a major impact on the actual result of the play. And that's where I wanted to see Vea get better. All that being said, this is his first game. He played 33 snaps, which I agree with you guys was probably more than they planned on. And I think Coach Cutter actually said that was more than they planned on uh, playing him. So, like, I'm not hating on the kid. Like, it's his first game. It's his first 33 snaps of his career. So let's not, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not mailing in a final, uh, a final decision on what his career is going to be by any means. But that's what I saw is what what I saw at Avita Vea in Chicago is basically what I saw at Avita Vea in Washington which is actually a good thing because he was hurt. He hasn't been on a live game field since the last December in college. So seeing pretty much what you saw of him that got him drafted is positive. That's, that's a good thing because he just stepped up a major level of competition. So the fact that he's actually basically doing the same thing at another level of competition is, is encouraging. And I know he's smaller and I think that, the Buccaneers are going to be able to do some some good things with him uh, going down the road. And I don't want to get long-winded here, but I did want to add one last thing. I So I'm not fully through the 22 either myself. So just that little disclaimer, I'm not fully through the 22. I have watched all of mm-hmm. Vea's snaps uh, specifically for this episode because I knew we were going to play that voicemail, but I hadn't watched every single snap outside of uh, what Vea was, was playing on. However, so far from what I've seen, this defense, at least against Chicago, and, and I actually kind of want to find the time to go back and look at other games this year, they really seem to do the best as far as pass rush is concerned when they had two two standing defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I kind of, I'm kind of curious about that because I've got this crazy idea that maybe the best formation for this defense is Vita Vea at the nose, Gerald McCoy on one of the ends, and JPP and maybe like a Noah Spence or a Vinnie Curry or a Will Golson standing on the opposite end. And what you can do is then you can disguise some of your pass rushes. You, you, I mean, you could even drive JPP into the flat if you wanted to and blitz Quan behind him or blitz David behind him or Beckwith when he comes back or Taylor while he's in there. You know what I mean? Like there's actually a lot of out of having standing defensive linemen. And there were, I think it was the JPP sack actually where JPP and Nassib were standing. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was Vea and McCoy down as down linemen and woo, and they collapsed they, shot they, they collapsed like, everything they got in quick don't quote me on the players okay but there were two guys standing i know nasa was standing i know jpp was standing so don't quote me on the on the down linemen but yeah i mean they fired in quick and i and i started looking for that and like i said i haven't watched every snap but most of the snaps where they start they had a one or two uh standing defensive linemen they were able to penetrate better they didn't necessarily get a sack you know, they didn't necessarily get a hit on every single one, but their penetration was faster and it was more effective than the majority of other snaps where they came with the traditional, you know, four down linemen or what have you. So just just kind of just kind of a thought that I saw. I know uh, Scott Smith on Buccaneers.com was talking about the team and the coaches taking this bye week to, to do some self-scouting. 
I don't know if that's something, again, I haven't compared it to previous games. I haven't watched every single occurrence in this game even. Right now, it's kind of something I'm looking for. I don't know if uh, you know if it's something that's that's worth looking deeper into, but I mean, when I saw it, I got excited. So yeah, I, I know for for me, just uh, watching Vita Vea, uh, this is his first game in the NFL. Uh, you didn't get to see him during preseason, and I, I was again, I was pleasantly surprised at what I saw, how he's uh, adjusting to the speed of the NFL. Uh, I think this he can only go, you know, only move forward. He can only go up. Um, I'm I'm hoping that's what that's kind of what we see just him being able to eat up blocks and uh just open up uh things for other other defensive linemen and and I think you know just kind of watching this I and I went back and watched the game I haven't got to watch the all 22 like you like you said uh, I'll be doing that tomorrow for for my show but uh what I what I have gotten to see I I did watch on the recorded I recorded the game just to watch that and and I thought he did a great job. Uh, again, he's uh, one of those guys. He's he's young. He's he's new. And you know, I'm not making excuses because I'm I'm pretty much done with that. Uh, they just have to figure out a way to uh, get him in the plays to to make plays. You know, to one of your points, David. Here's here's my here's my question. And you open this door, and so I'm sorry that I have to go back. But here's here's my thing about Vea. You were talking about how he he did his job. He manhandled that offensive lineman, and you know it, it caused Tariq Cohen to alter what he was doing, and it fell on Quan to finish that play, and he didn't, and the the play went for 19 yards. So if we can, here here's my question that I'll pose to both of you before we wrap this up and get out of here, because I know we're starting to come up against the clock here. If Vea continues to do what he did in those 33 snaps, and he's eating up those blocks, and he's able to manhandle these offensive linemen, and he's able to open up these gaps, is it safe to say that it's going to create the opportunity to get to the quarterback like we talked about in the offseason that he could do if Mike Smith could remove his head from his rectum and actually blitz these linebackers, let Levante get after the quarterback, let Quan get after the quarterback. This is a defense that blitzes 6.5% less than the league average. They blitzed once in the first half, and that was the, the JPP sack that you were talking about, David. Once. So if they're actually going to change things up, if they are actually going to self-scout as they claim, and this defensive staff, starting with Mike Smith, says, hey, look at these gaps that Vea is opening up. Maybe we should blitz Levante. Maybe we should blitz Jordan Whitehead or Justin Evans because there's a lot of space there to get pressure on the quarterback. Does that kind of change your view as to what Vea would bring to this offense or the, bring to this defense, or are we just basically going to be a year away from determining that because it's not going to change? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's going to change or not, but if, if Vita Vea continues to demand double coverages, which uh, I'm glad you brought that up because he definitely was getting double teamed uh, quite a bit in that game, to. then yeah, he, then he's definitely going to. Uh, he's definitely going to affect uh, the defensive line. He's definitely going to impact the other team. And, and I don't want to take too much away from him. It's just, you know, I'm not, I don't want to rehash this whole thing, you know, again. But when you're drafting that high, I'm looking for a guy who can make plays on his own, not just set up other players. And and I know guys like Haloti Nada have made very big, you know, very long careers 
of helping set up guys like Ray Lewis. So I see the value in it. I, I, I'm glad you brought up the blitzing thing because a lot of people have started to notice it's really not new, but they've started to kind of pick at it a little bit right now. Uh, more recently, Quan Alexander in his tendency at times to be a liability in pass coverage. Well, there, there's two ways I think that you can keep Quan Alexander from being a liability in pass coverage. One of those is stop putting him in zone because Alexander is extremely aggressive, which is one of the things that makes him so exciting to see. It's one of the things that makes him hit as hard as he does and get as many tackles as he usually does. Uh, even though he only got two against Chicago, putting him in zone, you're, you're just, you're, you're fighting him against himself because zone coverage, you have to be patient enough to read the field and see what's going on around you. He's not that guy. He's 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 a see the ball, hit the ball, or he's a see the receiver, follow the receiver type of guy. So put him in man. I don't care if you put everybody else in zone. Put him in man. Tell him who to watch and let him go. Or blitz Quan. I mean, if there's a linebacker in the NFL that's going to hit his his assigned gap with just just some some fierceness, it's going to be Quan Alexander. Like he may not get through the line, but whoever blocks him is going to feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So mm-hmm. kind of like it's kind of like what I was getting at. Like put Vea in the middle, let the offensive line double team him, put McCoy in a gap somewhere, put JPP on his two feet, put Vinny Curry on his two feet, and do some stuff. Drop JPP yeah. out or bring them all and bring Quan behind him. I don't know, man. Uh Noah Spence. I mean, put him on the edge. We we kind of talked about this a little bit, James. Noah Spence, underwhelming as a defensive end right now, right? Got it. He's probably the most most athletic, raw athletic defensive end they've got on the team. Drop him in coverage every once in a while. Show some of these young quarterbacks something that they're not expecting to see, which is a big old, tall, lanky defensive end dropping into the flat or dropping into, into the short zone coverage. You know what I mean? Guys, just, just do something a little bit different. Guys, I have to ask this question, too. And and again, I, I, I'm not sure how you guys feel about this, but could you simplify the defense just to get Noah, Noah Spence on the field just to see what he can do if if he can make plays when he was when he was healthy he was able to make plays it just seems like this year is just different and and i i think that there is still some use for him i think that he can still help this team in some way just based on what i've seen i mean i just i i think they need to get him out there in some some capacity and i understand with the in- injuries but i think that he could he can help this defense i still believe that about him Honestly, I, I, I love Noah Spence, and James knows this. Go, oh, go ahead, James. Oh, I was just gonna say I don't think they know what to do with Noah Spence right now. Like plain and simple, for whatever reason, he he can't find the field, and it's to me it's shades of of Jonathan Banks. Yeah, like he was he was a healthy scratch. He had all the upside in the world, but for for whatever reason, whether it was the system or whether it was the person, something's not clicking there. And I think they're starting to deal with that with with Noah Spence. And despite his Ohio State background, I'm a huge Noah Spence fan too. I mean, I was pounding the table for him to be drafted, uh, and I was <clears throat> I was thrilled when the Bucks took him in the second round. But something's not right there. Whether right. it's again, whether it's the scheme or whether it's the person, there's there's something missing uh, when when it comes to Spence as as athletically freakish as he is. So, David, David, sorry to to jump yeah. in there. No, no, definitely. And, and and you hit the nail on the head. And I know uh, uh, Coach Cutter kind of mentioned it early on. I think the first time Noah was a healthy scratch that, you know, he's kind of in his own head right now. And I think that's really what we're looking at is, is, you know, the football version of the yips. I just, I think that what Noah has lost is his ability to read and react, uh, which is what made him so special coming out of college, coming out of Ohio State and 
uh, you know, when he had to transfer and coming into the draft, that's what everybody was ranting and raving about at the senior bowl was his speed from the, from the lower extremities, but as well, but also the speed from his, from his upper extremities. And if you look at Ohio state and especially in more modern times, that's really what they're producing on the defensive line. They're producing guys who can get off the ball or get off the line and counter with, with the best lineman in the NFL. You look at Joey Bosa, it's, it's not so much his strength or his, his lower body power, his speed to power, whatever you want to call it. It's his hands. Like, you throw a jab at him, he's got a counter. You throw, you try to hook him, he's got a counter. You grab onto him, he's got a counter. Noah Spence was the same way. Nick Bosa is the same way. Uh, you know, if he comes back from his injury, I think Noah right now is so deep into his own head that he's like, it almost feels like he's trying to, like, he's got a game plan. Like, so for this snap, I'm going to do this against this lineman. And when that lineman does something he's not expecting, He's lost that quickness. He's lost that that reaction time that made him so good, and I think that's why he's starting to struggle. And I, the, the best thing I can compare it to is the yips. But again, put him on two feet. You know what I mean? Put him on two feet because what happens when you put these pass rushers on two feet is that offensive lineman almost gets an extra step, and it puts a little bit more space in between the two, which actually gives your defensive lineman a little bit more of an advantage because now he can read that body language from a little bit more of a distance and kind of kind of get that strategy going in his head right. a little bit faster. So Noah is just having trouble registering everything as fast, giving him that stand-up start, giving him that head start at the line, and giving that offensive lineman an extra step to kick off before they engage might actually help him. And again, you might be able to discover a new use for him, dropping him off as a linebacker here and there. Not every play, right? Like, don't I'm not saying man him up against Tariq Cohen. That's crazy. But every mm-hmm. once in a while, throw that at him and get the quarterback to kind of pause a second and look over, you know, look over in that right side flat and be like, huh, wasn't expecting to see that really tall dude over there. That's new. And <laughs> maybe, maybe that gives JPP the time he needs to get in there and, and bust somebody up, you know? Yeah. Well, <clears throat> gentlemen, I'm not sure what your plans for, for the bye week are, but I know a lot of our listeners have got to be pumped up about the start of hockey season. And the Bolts kick off the season Saturday. Thanks to our friends at Vivid Seats, you can be there at Amelie Arena cheering on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Or for our caller uh, asking about Vita Vea, maybe you want to go check out the Red Sox in uh, at Fenway as they take on either the Athletics or the Yankees. All you got to do is check out our friends at Vivid Seats because with Vivid Seats, you can attend a concert, a show, sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price, or you can look for seats in a specific section or row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving our listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more, saving you even more money. Just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Use promo code Locked On. that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and enter promo code Locked On for $20 off orders of $200 or more as a new customer. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. Gentlemen, uh, I, I hate the fact that we're up against the clock now and we're going to have to call it a night. But Gene, 
thank you so, so much for joining us. Where can everybody find you? Social media, your incredible YouTube show, uh, Buck, what you heard. Yeah, just kind of give them, give them a little bit of the business there, Gene. All right. Yeah, you can reach me at Buck, what you heard on Twitter. Just you follow me. I'll follow you back. I, I love talking football. So uh, I've, I'm trying to work on developing a, a fan from all 32 teams or all 31 teams, excuse me, all 31 from all 31 teams. So uh, that's one of my goals. So it doesn't matter what team you're with, you know, hit me up. I'll definitely follow you back. And uh, you can check out uh, Buck What You Heard on iTunes as well as Libsyn as well. So, um, you know, if you follow me, I'll follow you back. And uh, I am looking forward to this season. Hopefully they can make adjustments. That's my goal, my hope, uh, you know, moving forward that adjustments can be made and we can, um, you know, this team can win some games. Absolutely. Absolutely. As for David and myself, you can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Send in your voicemails. The number is 813-444- Five eight four one. Send us your questions, your concerns, your thoughts, your ideas, your, your your mock drafts. Send in your mock drafts. Why not? It's the bye week. We don't have a whole lot to do. And of course, if you hear your voicemail on air, you are entered in to win a Quan Alexander autographed jersey at the conclusion of the Buccaneer season. Whether that's after Week Seventeen or after the NFC Championship. Whatever the case may be, as soon as the Buccaneer season ends, we will hold that drawing for the Quan Alexander jersey. So for Gene Thomas of Buck, what you heard, and for David Harrison, I am James Yarko. Thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks. messed up your own name how do i mess up my own name <laughs> jeez <laughs>